The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome in. It's a Thursday, and you know what that means. It's time to get riled up on the Cowboys. Alongside my man, Tom Ryle, I am your host, Roy White. You can follow me follow me at rdub3 on Twitter. Follow him at TomRyleBTB, and of course, follow the podcast on at BloggingTheBoys, where you can get all that great content and all of our fantastic online content as well, available at bloggingtheboys.com. Powered by SB Nation. An eventful week, Tom, even though it's the off season. I got to do a little scouting on the Cowboys' first opponent of the year as we are just nine weeks away from kickoff against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And what do you know? We got a little Tom Brady on our television this week, Tom. So did you spend any time trying to glean a little bit of an advantage for the Cowboys, seeing what they could pick on, seeing what they could learn from the Super Bowl champion, the master, as he and Phil Mickelson took on Aaron Rodgers and Bryson DeChambeau in the match. Yeah, let me see. Just to watch uh, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers out there. Chilling. No, thanks. I passed on that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's two opponents that the Cowboys are going to be potentially be facing now. That's almost must-watch uh, content for Cowboys fans. No, I, I totally kid. Um, it's always funny to hear people talk about wanting to watch these items, hoping to glean something about either the future of Aaron Rodgers or what Tom Brady's mentality might be like, I can never take those people seriously because yeah. they can't possibly hope to gain anything other than strictly banter and entertainment from an and event an like case, An occasional bit of misinformation from Rodgers about his situation with Green Bay. You know? Yeah, and, and, uh, and Tom had no problem picking on him, right? Uh, now, yeah. I did – get to see that the connection between him and Rob Gronkowski is still very strong. So the Cowboys are going to have to watch out for that. We'll see who takes that safety position when they need someone to defend that type of tight end threat in the passing game in Rob Gronkowski. And maybe that's a perfect segue to get into what you and I would like to discuss on the podcast today, Uh, doing things a little bit differently. Make sure that you check out the upcoming article that Tom will be penning for you and having posted on blogging the boys later on today that we will be discussing as Tom had a great idea to take a look at the rookies 
for the Dallas Cowboys heading into 2021 and really figure out who has a legitimate shot of making this roster. So, Tom, I'll let you take it from here. Why did you first decide to leave out the first several picks of the Cowboys and whether or not they would be making the roster? Well, historically, unless somebody just goes into camp and absolutely screws the pooch, they're going to keep most of their people through the, at least the fourth round, I'd say. Uh, and even in some cases, when there is sign of, of possible trouble, like with Taco Charlton, who just didn't seem to be coming along, they're still going to give them a couple of seasons before they're going to uh, just discard those, uh, those picks. But down when you get to the middle point of the uh, draft, it starts getting where the team is not admitted to proving that their, uh, their draft pick was, was a valid one. And so I basically went down through Jabril Crocs, who I believe, I believe was their first of the two picks they had in the fourth round. Because I don't think there's any doubt, just with the linebacker situation, that Cox is going to be on the roster. I think that's pretty much about as lock as it can be. And all the people above him, they're going to find a way to have them around when they put out the first 53-man roster. That takes us down to their supplementary pick in the fourth round. That's Josh Ball. Normally, I would say, okay, yeah, he's still a fourth-round pick, even if it's late, and they would have him. But you have to take a look at, at the roster. You know, you can't carry – six offensive tackles on the roster, you know. And there's a time when you look at it, it would almost take them carrying six offensive tackles for them to justify having Josh Ball on the roster. Um, Ty and Secchi, they brought in specifically so they didn't get caught like they did last year. And I think people kind of are sleeping on his value. Uh, the way I, I put it in the article is that while he may not have the personality and entertainment factor of a Joe Looney, I think they think he can be that competent a backup if he's needed. You know, they're hoping he doesn't have to come in and cover for Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins, but they've got him. Then they've got the two guys who got forced into action last year, Brandon Knight and Terrence Steele. Uh, yeah, they were rough early on. Knight got his feet under him fairly quick. And by the second half of the season, Terrence Steele was, was not unserviceable anymore. Uh, and having a year under your belt, because they both got almost an entire season starting in the NFL, that's a lot of growth. Now you've got a rookie coming in a guy who has some character concerns to boot, but that wasn't really a factor in my decision. But are you really going to trust Dak Prescott to a rookie who's never played in the NFL before or in having him as one of your key backups? I just know if I were on the coaching staff, no, I would really try to look at maybe if we can get ball onto the practice squad. And I know that may be a little bit of a, uh, a chancier thing because, you know, good tackles are hard to find. If he does look good in camp, somebody might come in and poach him uh, off of waivers. But I just don't see them going with ball over the five players that right now I see on the depth chart. Even if he overstook steel, that will still leave Teki and Knight 
and I just can't see them parting with one of them in order to keep Ball on the roster. Now, you know, caveat that's on all of these. We're not going to talk about injuries because we don't know. We don't know who might have a problem. That could change everything. But if the people we think are going to be there at the beginning of the season are actually there, then I just don't think Ball's got a spot on the 53-man roster. And, Tom, I agree with everything that you said there, including all the players that are between him and a roster spot at this time. With that being said, though, I still kind of go back to they have to have considered him a fourth-rounder. They have to have considered his talent to be considerable. In fact, I would argue that they probably had to consider his talent to be higher than that fourth-round grade. And the only reason he was brought to the fourth round or even available there in the fourth round is because of the character issues that you mentioned. Now, would it be easier to get him to the practice squad knowing that they've already taken the PR bullet for drafting him in the first place? Whereas another team who might decide to try and pluck him off the practice squad to bring them into their rotation is likely going to have to suffer that same PR bullet when they make that decision. And at that time, right, there'll be a lot more focus on it because let's face it, if they do bring him in from the Cowboys practice squad, it'll likely happen in the final week before the regular season begins. That's, to me, an unavoidable bullet for a team that might want to grab him off the practice squad. But for the Cowboys who've already taken that shot, I think it actually winds up setting up perfectly and playing into their favor in their ability to keep him on the practice squad. So I kind okay. of agree with you. I don't know if they saw it playing out that way or if they contemplated that timeline of it. But as I see it now, they've taken the hit, right? Josh Ball has answered questions. He answered them poorly, but he's answered questions to <laughs> potentially address it. And at this point, there's not really going to be a whole lot more heat that I foresee, barring him doing something along that same line between now and the beginning of the regular season. However, again, if he goes to another team, he will have to answer those questions again because as a new player, they'll do a spotlight on him and they'll specifically highlight those moments in college where, again, we've already asked about it and he's already answered it. So, I agree with everything you said there. No to the 53, man. But I think he's got a pretty good shot at getting the practice squad for the reasons that I mentioned. Okay. Good. Um, yeah. I, I, I would not be at all surprised to see that. Of course, you know, the one thing we have to mention is here, you may find that we're completely wrong about all of this by the time the actual 53-man roster comes out. But, you know, we're just trying to take a look ahead at this time. And the next guy to look at, is their uh, first of the fifth round picks, and that was wide receiver Simi Poco. Um, you know, he, he's looking at a similar numbers issue because right now the Cowboys have, you know, their top four wide receivers and Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb, and Cedric Wilson seem to be very solid. And I think Noah Brown is pretty close to just being a lock as well. And so there's not really a way to challenge him. I think that Foco is is going to make a case though that they need they want to carry a six wide receiver. Um, I think they're going to find a way to find that slot. 
just because I don't think they're going to go deep at either running back or tight end or quarterback for that matter. So I think they're going to be able to find a way to carry an extra wide receiver. Wide receivers are so crucial in today's game. And Brian Broadus was on talking about Fajoko specifically uh, on Twitter, and he made a very interesting observation. Um, Fajoko in college was really good at going up and coming down with contested balls. Wasn't great at getting separation, but if you had to throw it in with somebody all over him, he was able to wrestle the ball away and come down with completion. To me, that says red zone specialist because the Cowboys really don't have uh, somebody big and strong that can do that. They've got great route running receivers. They've got some guys that can really go out there and, and catch the ball, but none of them are bigger than 6'2". I think uh, CD you know, plays that way, though, personally. I does. think CD plays like a leaper, like a mo- like he can moss an opponent. Yeah, right? but the, prob- the problem is you don't want to just have one of those out there. It's better if you can put two guys out there so you can have them going to both sides of the end zone. And now you're splitting the defense and they're trying to figure out, okay, who do we double? Who do we blanket? And, uh, you know, and then you, you draw enough people with those guys, then something can open up in the middle with a tight end or another receiver. So, yeah, I think that uh, Fajoko is going to, uh, to really just kind of force their hand in this. Uh, you know, that may be overly optimistic, uh, although they've got a couple of uh, bigger, uh, even bigger uh, UDFAs that may be an insurance policy for that. It just, there seem to be hints that they're looking for that possession receiver guy that can use what Dez used to do so well, you know, he would just muscle people all over the place. And uh, so that's where I think they're hoping is going to develop with, with him. And so I think he's going to, uh, to get into the, uh, the, uh, the roster, and there's also a little fact that Broadus was also mentioning, which was what first got my attention. He said there were other teams that were uh, at least one other team that was very interested in Fajoko, and Dallas just pulled the trigger on him before they got a chance to. So that means to me he is a higher risk for being a practice squad retainee than Ball was. So my prediction with him is that they're going to find a way to get him on and carry the six wide receivers. And, you know, and besides, there's always a chance that somebody might have to miss a few games to start the season. I hate to even talk about that. Let me knock on wood. Um, really, you know, don't like to talk about how injuries can impact this, but wide receiver is one position that you can have problems with. And there's always uh, already some concerns floating about Amari Cooper and I believe his ankle. Uh, yeah. You know, that... Well, we have an ankle injury that apparently we had surgery on in the first quarter of 2021. And it's still in a position where we might not have him to begin the third quarter of 2021. And this was supposed to be a cleanup surgery on his ankle. Yeah. Procedure. There's a lot of vagueness I, to it that I still – I agree. Yeah. I don't trust the Cowboys one damn bit when it comes to giving us the truth about these injuries either. If we haven't learned our lesson by now, then you need to shake yourself, Cowboys fans, yeah. because this team has a history of underselling serious, significant, debilitating injuries that can yeah. linger. 
on and on yep. into the regular season. Um, I don't want to play the I agree game with you on, on every front, but on this front, I do agree with you for the same reasons. The Just as an extra insurance policy, if nothing else. Extra insurance policy. The agreed-upon fact that he would be a riskier play to try to get through a practice squad because so many teams have space for wide receivers and need wide receivers. And quite frankly, wide receivers in today's day and age that are drafted in the fifth round, I think can almost be compared to other positions being drafted slightly higher because of the success rate that exists when it comes to young wide receivers and their ability to make an impact in today's game right out of the gate. So for that reason, right, Josh Bell or Ball rather doesn't have the same ability to probably make that kind of an impact right out of the gate. Pahoko does and can probably do for, so for the Cowboys, as you mentioned, in a limited fashion. Will he be able to catch Cedric Wilson and Noah Brown in their ability to, to block downfield, right? Will he be able to do those extra things that keep guys like those two around? We'll see. But I agree with you right now. I would suggest he has an inside track to making the team for all the reasons that you mentioned. Right, not a lot of yeah. not a lot of fat being carried at other positions on the offense either. Well, and and talking about an extra thing, maybe he can be a punt returner for him as well. So you know that's another way he might be able to be of value. But I don't, you know that that's very much to be determined. But I, I just think they're going to find a way to keep him around. As I said, I get. I really get nervous if you're only carrying five receivers to begin with. I just think that's getting getting a little thinner for today's NFL. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. That brings us to uh, the the first pick in the sixth round. That's defensive tax, tackle Quentin Bohanna. And he was really made me give a little hoop on because uh, he's a real live nose tackle. And the Cowboys have gone forever without one of those. You know, they've just basically been using a bunch of three techs to go in there. And we kind of saw what can happen with that because they were just getting – pushed around and bulldozed out of the middle of the line. The run defense was just atrocious in 2020. So I was real excited to see Bohanna come in. Um, also, we're, we're hoping to see that Dan Quinn is going to use some more of a 3-4 look, especially on early downs. That seems to say that Bohanna's got a real role in this. Now, countering that, 
you got Brent Urban, who could really be a strong competitor for that same role because Urban, despite being a good bit lighter than Bohanna, who is somewhere between 330 and 360, uh, Urban still has that ability to anchor against the run and hold his position and clog things up and is a little more versatile. Bohanna would almost purely be guy. Uh, you're going to bring in somebody that can push the pocket more than him on passing downs. So that's kind of a bit of a risk. Uh, and he's, you know, might have to prove valuable to this overall as a, a player than say Carlos Watkins is, but you know, they don't have a whole lot of, of sure things on the defensive line uh, as it is. So, you know, the, this one is a little bit uncertain for me. I think Bohan is going to hang on to a slot. Uh, you know, I think the run defense was just so bad, they want to have that big body to throw in there uh, if they start getting bullied. And as I said, he may technically become a starter, but just because he's going to be out there on the first play of, for the defense every game. And, uh, you know, I think especially if it gets to a, a situation where they know the other team's going to be throwing a lot, he may not see much action after that. So he may see only 25% of the snaps in a game and yet still have been out there with the, the first snap of the game and, and show as a starter. So I think they're going to find a way to keep him just, just because they want to make sure just the fact, you know, six round, that means he wasn't real highly valued out there. Mm. I got to say, Tom, I'm almost angry with you right now because this is not the way that you treat a pet cat. When you take a pet cat in like you did with Quentin Bohana, Bohanna, you, you caress him. You shelter him. You keep him safe. You protect him, okay, against all comers. Defend him against any naysayers, and you certainly guarantee him a spot on the 53-man roster. So I'm a little upset that you would so typically Tom do of taking a level-headed approach to an honest question, and I don't appreciate you doing that. I need yeah. you to treat it's this man like the pet cat you declared him to be and guarantee that not only he's going to be on the 53-man roster, but he may be the star showcase of the preseason, right? The player that we – learn the most from in those few games. Now, you know, I, I say all that to say, I actually think maybe I do feel stronger about his ability to make this roster than you do though, based on that. And that's for the reasons that you did mention. They've never yeah. had a big man in the middle before. Uh, you don't yeah. have to spend a high draft pick on a big man for him to work out and be a valuable part of your rotation. A little bit like yeah. the wide receiver I mentioned a bit ago. Wide receiver drafted in the fifth round can sometimes be looked at as like a you know, fourth or third round guy. I think the same thing goes for big men. They're so lowly regarded and so specialized in their need around the NFL. Some teams don't even employ them, as the Cowboys haven't for almost a decade, that when they do come around um, – you know, there's a little bit of a soft spot for them. And, you know, I, I don't know if Brent Urban is competing with his position so much as a guy like Tristan Hill or even the, his other draft mate in um, 
the Dogazua, Odigizua. God, I can't say that name. And I've got to get better about that. We're nine weeks yeah. away. I still got time. Yeah. Um, but even still, I think he's actually got a really nice shot of making this roster for the reason that you're going to look out on the field during practice when you are out there in Oxnard, tell the folks again from the end of July to the beginning of August, you're yeah. going to be able to see a difference in his body type relative to everybody else on the field. And that alone, I think, will allow him to stand out a bit. And as long as he doesn't screw the pooch, to borrow your phrase from earlier in the pod, I think he actually does have a pretty good shot of making this roster. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you feel so confident. It makes me feel better for him. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just uh, – Don't make me steal yeah. your pet cat. Okay, if you yeah. if you don't protect him, if you don't value his what he brings to the table, if you don't value his cuteness, I will come over there and I'll steal that pet cat. <laughs> okay, I'll make it my own. All right, I'll turn him against will, you, Tom. All righty, I will. I will that. Lord knows you don't want a cat to turn against you. That's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving worse on than now that pussy. I. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, move, moving on from uh, being severely chastised now by my podcast partner, uh, their their second pick in the sixth round was uh, Israel Mukuamu, who is kind of an interesting case to me because first off he was still listed for back the official team roster at DallasCowboys.com, but they made plain that they see him as a safety. That's what they want him to be. Uh, preferably a free safety, uh, which means they're not looking at him to start because that seems to be uh, DeMonte KZ's role is to be the starting free safety to pair with uh, Donovan Wilson. You know, but once again, the team waited until the sixth round to take a safety and they had to wait till their supplemental pick. Uh, and that just, it bugs me to death. And yet the numbers in, in uh, Mukuamu's favor because there just aren't a lot of good solid safety options on the team. Uh, Jaron Curse, the free agent who came on came in with KZ, is probably going to be a strong a contender for the fifty three man roster. And there is a, a kind of a sleeper to watch because apparently during the OTAs there was a UDFA named Tyler Coyle who was uh, turning a few heads out there, and they thought he has some potential to make the roster. Well, and don't forget about Darian Thompson and Reggie Robinson, a guy who has yeah. basically been casted as almost a player that has been completely forgotten about within this. Yeah, secondary. but is he a corner or a safety? Well, I think he, I, I think safety still. Don't you? I'm not sure. I think he's still showing up as a corner. So, like I said, who do you who do you believe? How are they really doing it? That's part of the problem with looking at this stuff is because well, fourth we don't rounder, know for you sure. drafted a cornerback in the fourth round and he didn't play a damn game for you a season ago. That's yeah. problematic. Yeah, it is. And they didn't do any favors by making his position so uncertain and kind of waffling back and forth. Maybe that's something Quinn can come in and fix is just to give these people, okay, here's what you're going to do. And here's how we're going to use you. Um, 
that's reasons why you you know you might think that uh, they might want to try to get Mukawamu onto the practice squad just so he can learn and practice and complete the transition. Even though he does have some safety background in college, it's just that wasn't what he was playing his last year. Uh, I still, you know, I'm basically saying that I think they're going to try to find a way to keep him on. Um, I'm not too sure that they've got enough numbers uh, to to move on from him or risk him getting poached. Uh, so I think they're going to find out that maybe there's going to be, you know, Jerry Jones kind of leaning in and going, Hey guys, I'm the GM. Remember. Well, no doubt Jerry's going to have that kind of sway and Jerry will have the last say on that. If I, su- I suppose if, if it comes down to it, then he may decide that he likes him around, but I don't think it's going to get to that point. I think they'll all see kind of what they did with Robinson, that maybe he needed a red shirt year to learn the new position. And I think they'll probably take their chances with trying to push him to the 53 man, uh, excuse me, to the practice squad. Um, That is not one that I, I see having a great chance despite the story, despite kind of what they've said and his, ability or, or opportunity, I suppose. As you mentioned, there's already another name that we had never heard of prior to um, prior to OTAs that was already making a name for himself, and it wasn't Mukuamu, right? It was Tyler Coyle. So we will see whether or not he can make a name for himself enough to stick around, but I think Best case scenario for him. Well, not best case because best case scenario is making the roster, but I think most likely case for him is winding up on the practice squad. Well, we've got it as agreement. Um, I actually like that. <laughs> give us give us something to, to look back on maybe in the future and figure out who was right on this. Okay. That brings us down to the, uh, the last guy, seventh round pick, uh, Matt Farniok. Farniok. I'm like, uh, that's another one. I'm, I'm going to have to hear some people that know how to pronounce it, say it a few more times so I can be comfortable with when I say it. But I see him as a kind of the, actually an opposite situation uh, from uh, Josh Ball because there's just not a lot of depth in the interior of the, uh, the uh, uh, offensive line. Really, uh, the only reliable backup I think they already have on the team for guard and center is Connor McGovern. Now, I think he's good. I think people underrate him, but you want more depth, I think. I think they're going to leave at least two backups in the interior of the line. And Farniuk famously played all five offensive line positions. I believe he started all five of them at one time during his uh, time at Nebraska. And uh, I think that they're really going to continue to look hard at developing him as a primary backup at center so that he'd primarily back up center and be able to move out to guard, whereas Govern will be the opposite. He'll primarily be a guard backup, able to move into center. I think that's what they want to do. And uh, I just think for a seventh rounder, he's got a really great chance to make the team. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see. That's one of those things I'm going to be hoping I can figure out the, the jersey numbers and keep track of who's getting most of the second uh, team snaps where. 
because I think that's going to tell us quite a bit about what the plans are going forward with the uh, offensive line. Yeah, and I'm interested to see, too, if they try to slide any of these guys into the interior because I think you're right. Where it shakes out right now, he seems to have a nice little spot right behind Connor McGovern as almost the second backup on the interior, which would seem to be an indispensable position for a team that would like to have at least a backup for every position heading into game day. Having said that, I think they'll give some guys a look at that spot. And while I know we're not making predictions based on, you know, what will become available, I do foresee them probably making a move at that position somewhere within free agency, bringing a guy in to compete for that spot, especially if Farniak looks a little bit overmatched in the early going, which in some cases, you know, interior offensive linemen coming into the NFL can look that way because they haven't yet kind of had the time to get a little bit more of that size that is required. So I actually disagree with you on this one. I mean, I, I, on paper, you're right. He does have a nice inside track, but I think they're going to move some things around. And in the end, he is still a seventh-round draft pick. That is one of those guys I think they can sneak to the practice squad. For whatever reason, teams don't, at least in my perception of it, teams don't churn their practice squad with a ton of offensive lineman talent. It's like you kind of keep the guys around that you have – because they know the play calls, they know the blocking schemes, and it's almost easier to call up one of those guys one or two weeks into the season if needed than bring a new guy in and try to get him up to speed in one week's time. Do you agree with that? Yeah, that that makes some sense. And I was going to say, there were some signs that Brandon Knight may be that guy they were looking to kick inside. He was getting some guard work in OTAs. And people took note of that because they uh, they weren't really expecting to see that. So, yeah, that that could well be. Um, I still think they might find they're going to find a way to keep him around uh, because if you've got Knight who's learning the guard position, uh, he could still be your uh, uh, second backup at tackle and provide you depth on the interior of the offense of the the offensive line. So if you've got Nseki, uh, Knight, McGovern, and then Farniak, who can bounce around to a lot of different positions. You've got some some valuable position flex and, you know, a lot of ways you can shuffle the backups around as needed be. So, uh, but still, you might be right. They may want to go with something a little more proven because, yeah, the difference between a seventh-round pick and a UDFA can be razor thin, so we'll have to see how that all kind of shakes out. And of course, ultimately the injuries that we have to anticipate are going to take place. It's been a long time since the Cowboys have gotten through the preseason and training camp without sustaining at least one significant injury to a place that we weren't necessarily anticipating it. And when that shakes down, that's going to play a major factor in what ultimately happens and, and how they wind up splitting the roster. So at least with the information we have, Tom, I think we did as fair of a job as we could of trying to shake this thing out and get those Cowboys fans ready for what they're going to see into training camp 
and nine weeks from now when they open the season against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the world champions. So with that being said, Tom, another episode in the books. Thanks for joining us here on a Thursday on the Blogging the Boys podcast network. We are riled up on the Cowboys, of course, with my man Tom Ryle at Tom Ryle BTB and yours truly at RW3 Roy White. Find us both on Twitter. Reach out to us. Let us know what you think of the pod. And please check out all the other great content at bloggingtheboys.com, powered by our friends at SB Nation. That's another one in the books. We'll see you.